This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by Twitch. Welcome back. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week is Justin Davis, Scoop. Sam Claiborne, Sharks, and Mark Medina. Chickens. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about Anthem. We're going to have Blake Harris on this show here, author of Console Wars, mm-hmm. one of uh, Game Scoop's favorite books, will be on this very show in just a little bit to talk to you and to play 20 questions. But first, a little housekeeping. You may have heard from some of the other podcasts, there's some changes happening to the video versions, which I don't know which camera I should be looking at. Video, can we go to the wide? Video versions of the well, podcast. You won't be able to weird. see this anymore. <laughs> most important thing, yeah, I won't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> it's so simple. The most important thing is that nothing is changing to the audio versions of the podcast, which is where most of you listen to the show. GameScoop's not ending or anything. However, the video versions, we're just going to stop filming them, basically. Yep. We're going to sunset the uh, video versions of the, of the podcast. And I'll tell you why. You know, I've, I've, I've been your, your dear leader for many, many years now. I'll always be honest with you. So I started this show in 2006 as an audio podcast, just like every podcast. And it, w- it was like that for years. And then one day we were like, why don't we film you recording the podcast and we'll put it out there in case anyone wants to watch it. Someone said that'll never work. Well, and it only, it kind of did. Turns out some of you like to watch it, but for the, the vast majority of you are happy just to listen to the audio version. So mm-hmm. uh, we, have, we have four podcasts recording in the studio, taking up hours every week. So it's a lot of time for uh, not the kind of returns that, that people are looking for. And actually has a lot to do with studio space and studio yeah. turnaround mm-hmm. time. The studio has to be configured differently for each show. Yeah. And, um, and then that's really time consuming. Time consuming. And then, you know, the... Yeah. So anyway, the long story short, most people listen to the show. It's an audio podcast. So we're just going to stop filming it. It's going to go back to being an audio podcast like it always has been. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, you know, I know some people will be bummed. I'm very sorry if that bums you out, if you really enjoy uh, viewing the show. Thank you for tuning in to our faces every week. I promise to uh, always describe what my t-shirt is on uh-huh. every episode. Sam, there was some concern that if you were to shave your mustache, no one would know. No, but no, I, I already did. We would hear it. <laughs> yeah, there, you, there would be a deep, a great disturbance in the <laughs> yeah. force. Why does this microphone sound so uh, different? Um. I have a question. Yeah. So if we uh, go audio only mm-hmm. and it's still, we're still going to put these on YouTube. That's true. Yeah. What, so if what you, are we going to show people? Well, well they'll be able to a static image with the audio. You're not going to hand animate it. I'm not going to hand animate it. No. Okay. However, that was an idea we were throwing hand, around. Hand animate it. However, I think we're going to put timestamps <laughs> on it and that's going to make a lot of people happy. The people out there are well, always the demanding timestamps. So we're uploading, we're uploading to YouTube, but it's not going to be a video image. It's just someone can still listen to it if yeah. YouTube.com so is where they subscribe. If you're used to tuning yeah. into the show on YouTube, you can still get it there. We're taking away the timestamp uh, job from our number one top <laughs> commenter who always puts the timestamps on. That's true. The static uh, image could just be whatever shirt you wore on that episode. Do we? I have another question. Yeah. Are we, can, does this mean we can get the couch back? We can, yeah. Who knows? We can bring the couch back. Of course. Don't promise me things. You know how much it won't. You know they won't be able to see us on the couch, but they will absolutely be able to hear a difference. Here's why this is this could be uh, really good news for all of us. Um, now, when Game School goes back to being audio, no one's going to be paying any attention to what we're doing. We can do whatever we want. Yes. We can get as crazy <laughs> as we want. We're going to read all the old video game magazines. Drink beer on this show sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No one's going to be paying any attention. Do you think the Smithsonian will give us the couch back? <laughs> <laughs> it's right next to Archie Bunker's chair. Yeah, the full set of all those sitcoms. 
So anyway, that's the update. This will be happening in the in the next few weeks or so. I'll let you know when we're when we're sure when the the final video version will be coming up, so we can all have a big party. Maybe we'll we'll uh, bring the Omega Cops back. Uh, and uh, this doesn't mean that we're never ever going to film another episode again when episode six hundred comes around. Sure, I'm sure we can convince people to turn Hall- the cameras. Halloween on would that. be a good one. Halloween would be a good one, of course. Uh, and we can still do uh, Game Scope from time to time. That's that's yeah. like a separate one off thing that we can still do. So. Uh, that's the update. If you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, hit me up in the uh, GameScoop Facebook page. I'd be happy to answer them. But let's move on to uh, the important stuff, the fun stuff, or maybe not the fun stuff because I want to talk about Anthem. Uh-oh. It's been out for a... Oh, Uh-oh. sick burn, David. Hey, you were giving some <laughs> sick burns on Anthem earlier. I wanted... Anthem is kind of a disaster. It's oh, been out God. for a week. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the consensus. Uh, it seems to be a disappointing game. Mark has beaten it. Yes, I have. So Mark has beaten it. Sam's played a lot of it. What is up with that tombs mission? God, it's the worst. You know, it's funny. Just a backstory. I'm never asked to be on GameScoop. I just get a a random invite in my inbox, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm on GameScoop tomorrow. That's and an I never ask. that's a type of asking. Sure, and I never know why, but it's always made abundantly clear. And I guess it's for this. Is that a problem? N- absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely well, I not. don't see what you're saying. It's always because it's something relevant to you. Oh, like you don't, yeah, yeah. You don't know why you were Damon invited. Damon actually on. needs me for something. Yeah. I didn't. I, I thought you. I was isn't just. That, a, isn't a, that the role a, of every talk show? Host? Yeah, I thought I was just invite the I people on that just, know what they're well, talking about. Justin here. Good point. I don't even hardly play Damon. <laughs> Justin's here for emotional support. Yeah. Anthem is super fun and super glitchy sometimes and. Uh, the story is a mess. You think it's super fun? Super I do fun. think it is super fun. Wow. This is I what, do think it's super boy. fun. I think that's the one thing it lacks is fun. No way, <laughs> See, that's man. Funny. Like, that's... As someone that's not playing the game, what's been interesting to just sort of see the discussion evolve over the last couple of weeks has been like, it's a really frustrating game for people because you can see how like it could have gone yeah. so right. Like mm-hmm. There's yeah. glimmers of like that greatness in there, but it just can't, can't quite get there, it seems to be. It makes me wonder if any co-op shooters are fun. I don't know. So, I, I but, dude, Destiny is crazy fun. But but is the first twenty hours of Destiny fun? Yeah, but twenty hours is enough. <laughs> twenty hours is a lot. Well, no. So here's what James told me who reviewed Des- uh, Anthem. I was like, I I don't trust anybody that likes Destiny now after playing Anthem because even if I I can't even think of a version of this that would be fun. What he said was that it's the end game that people love in Destiny, mm. and they love getting to that. And he says that you could cut out forty hours of Destiny, and he would love that game to just get to the end game and grind and do all this like really difficult stuff. I- Anthem, you do not play that game. You you fly to a place. Yeah. You press X always. Yeah. on Xbox <laughs> and then or, or maybe somebody's already pressed it for you because three you, other people could press X yeah, and then you have you go nothing to, a to marker. do then you go to the marker and then, yep. uh, and then spiders or ants and show you up and you kill guys. them all I and the, that's it I played the game by myself it's my either s- spiders or ants yeah, well, they're called. It's they're neither. Called they're scorpions. But, scorpions yeah. or uh, uh, what? Are the, what is the name of the ant guys with the weapons? Oh, scars. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, scorpions I don't scars. remember. They always. I've talked about this before. I think it's really amusing that every video game universe has have to have its own name for stuff, like the yeah. wizards in uh, in Destiny, and then like who is there a council that gets together? They're like, hmm, yes, we're going to call this. Type of bad guy. This this is their it's name. It's like they all have the same tier. Oh, dude. Just so and we're all like, on the same page. Them, it's just totally re- recycled in this game too. You but call uh, them wizards. Yeah. I don't call them that. When you get to uh, it, so th- I'm on a mission right now, which I'm just going to stop. It, it's about halfway <laughs> through the game. But uh, it, it, you you finally do something different. But there's so few things you can do in a co-op game like this, where you fly to a place and shoot things that that are interesting. You can't put an open world you know exploration thing. It doesn't really work. Everybody just goes off and does their own thing. 
you're not really playing co-op then. Yeah. You yeah. can't do a puzzle, like a cool solved puzzle. Two people or three people have nothing to do that whole time. There's no way to communicate with them if, if they're just strangers that you're just hopping in the game. So there's all these problems with that, right? But right now I'm on this mission that I was talking about with Tombs. Mm. And it's basically you uh, have these stats that have been tracked while you've been playing that are like uh, how many... I don't, this is not how... These are not real stats, but just to explain to people... How, many, how many times have you used your special? How many times have you revived yeah. somebody else? Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. Like basic, just boring stuff, right? Yeah. And then you, you, the, the roadblock in the game is that you have to suddenly get 30 of those things you yeah. might have six of. Yeah. But, and there's a bunch of those, right? And, and they don't say what, the, what they are. So one of them is called uh, kill multi-kills. Yeah, I have one out of seven multi kills. I was like, oh, that must just mean killing two things at once. I've done that a thousand times by this point. So I'm like, why don't I have the stat up? And so then I go out and I'm trying to grenade things at once or I try to shoot things in, in succession. None of that's upping that stat. And there's just no information. There's no way for me to figure this out except to go online and go to a guide and figure it out from there. Which well, we wrote they, a great there's guide no the like, There's but no like so cool stupid. way to track it either. Like you would want... If you're if you're gonna go out and farm like there's one where it's like finish fifty enemies with a melee, I'd love for that number to just be on the screen, but there's no option for that no, because the only the, the only thing you're tracking is it just on your screen all huge is is complete the tombs quest. It right. doesn't actually say how to do it. You have to go into three menus and then that'll show. It's like a it's like a nineties. So, so you got to get a piece of it's paper so out. You got to get a piece of paper out and you got to start. Yeah. Making your marks. So uh, <laughs> let's let's do a little role playing uh, exercise oh boy. here. All right, oh boy. you're going to be Mark hitting a button, okay. and the button that you're going to hit is a menu in Anthem. Yeah. All right, and when you hit that button, I'm going to make the sound that that is indicating to the audio listeners that that action's been completed. So hit the button. Okay. okay. Boop. Oh wait, you're yeah. making the sound. <laughs> What's yeah. happening? You can make messed, a sound too. I messed it no, up. You can instantly. make a sound too. Okay. Boop. Boop. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. you have to I wait a second and a saying. half for every yeah. single button press to do anything in that game. Oh, because Sa it's pinging the because server. Because it's pinging it the server. The freaking server. Sa Sam walked <laughs> and you, up and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm scrapping stuff. And I would click scrap and then I'd have to just sit there. And then it would disappear. <laughs> and I'd have to do the next one. And then one. the server crashes while it's happening. And then while it's happening, I'm getting all these error messages that the server can't keep up with what I'm doing. Like it's mm. like, yeah, yeah, people love inventory management, right? How would you like how it? Do you make every, it worse? Yeah, how do you make it worse? Well, you make people wait and sometimes it crashes. Dude. Is there any other ways to make this worse? Like menu lag is one of those subtle, I mean, in this instance, it's not so subtle, but just one of those things that can make a game feel horrible, right? Like yeah. if it takes, like, I, there's, I think maybe Far Cry 5 was like this, where like the map just wasn't instantaneous. It like took a second. And then mm -hmm. like it just like it that seeps into like your brain and it's like, I don't want it. Like it, it, everything just needs yeah. to feel snappy. Yeah, what, what I miss is like the old Final Fantasy games. It, you just push triangle, and it was like instant. You'd push triangle, and it's yeah. like, choop, yeah. you're in your menu. Yeah. Well, we shouldn't have Back to be talking about how great button presses with menus <laughs> work, but that's where we are. Yeah. Justin, you liked uh, Destiny. Are they selling you on Anthem? No, I wasn't. No, I like I. But see, I the Destiny fan base I think expects too much of that game. They're like I've been playing it for a year and I'm out of stuff to do, and I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. That's, that's fine. Go game. play another video game. Like that's the way. Like I think the attitude from players and the game makers of like we want this to be like you know we're gonna go on this journey hand in hand. And Everyone's gonna looking go for the last game they'll ever. A whole play. season of content. Why would you want that? But all that's mapped so, out. It's, it's crazy. So different from it's crazy. that's that's video games in 2019. I know, right? but like it's so different from what we grew up. We talk about this a lot. 
uh, Sam, like we wanted to know every game on the NES. Even if we didn't play it, yeah. we wanted to know about it and like yeah. have an opinion on everything. But I really, now people just want to play one game. Like my opinion of Destiny and Destiny Two, like those games, like the shooting is some of the best FPS shooting ever in mm. in history. Um, but like I played those games and enjoyed them, then moved on. And like that's a different relationship than a lot of people have with the Destiny. Well, franchise. and that's exactly what I did with Anthem. I played through Anthem cl- completely by myself, by the way. So I didn't have to worry about like, oh, this guy's solving the puzzle. I solve There's every no puzzles. puzzle. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> <laughs> puzzles. Um, and then the second I got to the end game, this is where I disagree with James. The second I got to the end game, it's it's more the tomb stuff. It's like here's how to become a legionnaire, and it's a crazy number. Do twenty five strongholds. Do I don't even know what this means. It's like do fifty free plays. Okay. Um, and the <laughs> that just second, means you go to the free play map and bounce out over. Yeah, there's over literally again. a mission where it's like, hey, I need you to go uh, work on something uh, so you can go do a contract or jump into free play. I went into free play and backed instantly out, went back, and he was, he was like, all right, let's do this. Uh, <laughs> the, so se- crazy. the second I got to the end game and I saw that list, I was like, and I made a tweet about it. I was like, oh, I'm done. I, I'm never going <laughs> to play free. this again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel no obligation to do any of this, and it's very liberating because so I want to play other you think stuff. it's too hard to get the platinum? <laughs> yeah, I think there's so. The, uh, <laughs> there's the concept of games as service, right? And like, I don't really want to play a lot of those games. Yeah. But this was a thing where I was like, I like BioWare. Bioware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I will take a chance and try to play one of these. But like, it just... I know this emphasizes all the bad elements of those games, but I don't understand how playing these spongy shooters with three other people is fun. I it don't does, get it. But it does feel like Borderlands 2 was incredible and amazing. Mm-hmm. And like they didn't call it a season pass or a game as a service, but that game had DLC it did coming forever, out. Forever, yeah. Like it did its whole DLC pass and had a second one and maybe even a third one and like big DLC and small DLC and like. Like that, they'd already sort of solved this problem, mm-hmm. but then it feels like no one else has really sort of recaptured that same magic. Now, both Destiny and uh, Call of Duty Zombies oh, yeah. have uh, something interesting to me where it's like you have to figure out, like, and Borderlands had this too. Like, you have to figure out, like, stand on this platform, this one person does this, well, this other person does this, and it takes like this, like, crazy coordination mm-hmm. to get through, like, puzzles and stuff. Like, totally understand that. It's, it's the mediocreness of, like, not communicating with people and not working as a team and you just do nothing you just do nothing and yeah. them. <laughs> we actually have an email about this very topic <clears throat> from ian in milwaukee wisconsin he emailed us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com just like you can uh he says gamescoop got me into podcast remains my favorite thanks for the commentary every week when i first saw the anthem trailer at e3 I was excited at the prospect of hunting monsters in Iron Man-like mechs. However, when I found out the game would follow the long, grindy games-as-a-service model, my excitement for the game deflated. Having so many games to play now that I'm an adult with disposable income, I like being able to enjoy a game to completion, check it off my list, and move on to the next one. When a game requires a big time commitment, I don't even want to start it. Which model do you guys like better, being able to complete a game or the games-as-a-service model? Do you think games-as-a-service is a fad in the industry and will die out eventually? I think it's pretty obvious that what, which one we prefer. Mm. Or more uh, complete the game, move on to the next one. But like, yep. uh, surely at some point, every every big publisher wants to be in the games as a service model. I mean, you see, yes, we're unless not they, unless <clears throat> a bunch of them fail right in a row, and then not, it won't ever happen. Nobody's getting more time in the day, so it's like mm-hmm. something yep. has to has to give. 
Yeah, I mean, you see companies like Ubisoft. Well, first of all, they just have straight up like you know Rainbow Six, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're they're doing such an excellent job with that as a game as a service. But even games like Assassin's Creed sort of walk the line, right? Like, Damon, you played the game, you beat the game, and then the game is on I the think? shelf. Well, yeah, I know we've been talking about that, but like, but that game also they continue to raise the level cap. Um, they continue to introduce new sort of weekly events, new like that game. They're continuing to support in a way that I think is actually super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't feel like that takes away from or distracts overly from like if you just finish that game, you can be done with it or you cannot be done with it. Like mm. it sort of gives people the choice of having new ways to interact with the game experience that they really liked. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mark, how do you feel just about the games as a service model in general? I don't know. It's it's. I definitely don't think it's a fad. Um, but I saw something on Twitter uh, where some. I'm sorry, I can't credit you because I don't remember who said it. But they said it seems like games nowadays they don't want you to buy the house; they want you to rent it, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I get the feeling. Is like they want something. They don't want you to just buy a game, finish it, and put it on the shelf. They want you to keep paying for it. Yeah, that's and, exactly what they want. And so. It's it's something that like I was a big Destiny fan when it first came out and then kind of dropped off. Destiny two, I was like, I'm gonna play through the story. Played a little bit of in game, was done. Anthem, same way. Done. That's I'm a yeah, I'd prefer to I, I just like Anthem, I played it by myself. Destiny two, I played it by myself. It's it's me just searching for single player experiences in these like shared world shooter games. So they're they're definitely not really for me. Yeah. I think the positive take on these games is that they they find just like MMOs or MOBA, you play them with a group of friends that you like and you want to, you know, after work, you want to meet up with the same people every day and have a good time and chat and play games. Like yeah. they do provide that zone. That's true. That's great. I think mm-hmm. that that's a good thing that they do. The cynical take is, you know, how much money they get from these people while they're not playing other games. And, you know, I've said this before if you're interested in getting into the game industry, uh, you you do have an option to, to uh, or like as a journalist so yeah. say you have an option you can say like I'm going to be like the biggest Dota expert and you know get a bunch of jobs writing about Dota, um, but conversely if you only care about Dota and you don't play like everything else then you don't have a big repertoire of things you know about and you got to be careful with stuff like that. I played World of Warcraft for several years, and that <laughs> remains one of my like most positive, well, I just have so many warm, wonderful memories of that experience and that world and being able to engage with it so deeply over a long period of time. And uh, the traditional MMO, unless you're already one of the established ones, like Final Fantasy or WoW, or uh, you know, I think um, Elder Scrolls Online has sort of reached that echelon. Um, unless you're one of those, like that, that's kind of been replaced with games like Anthem. Mm-hmm, that yeah. they're they're MMOs, but without the subscription fee, and they just sort of they're, they're just called by a different name now. Yeah. It, it's it's like a super interesting like thought I didn't think about. It's like I think like in my like gaming lifetime. When you think of like I'm gonna go hardcore into this one game, I think World of Warcraft was that for me, and I, I just don't think I'm really. Well, Mario 64, buddy. <laughs> as as games as a service go, Mario 64 <laughs> that'll bleed you dry. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't like, know if you guys I, know this, but Mark is a, a competent speedrunner in yes, Mario 64. I love that game. What's your best? Uh, like 16 star would be mm, I don't know, like 18 minutes, which is when you when you look at like. The well, scope of oh, speed running. Is that's 16 not... star the minimum you can have to beat the game? No, you can do zero star. Yeah. Yeah, why, so why do you say 16 star? 
16 star is the legacy any percent, which is, uh, you know, to beat the game as fast as possible. But then SBLJ, which is side backwards long jump, was discovered. And so now 16 star is like what it used to be for any percent, but technically any percent now is zero star. But it's but 16, 16 star requires you to do some pretty difficult things. Yeah. Yep. And so it's considered like a hurdle to. And, it, and it's one of the most popular because it's it's uh, the most accessible it, because you can. And he showed me how to go up those infinite stairs. Yeah. I, I taught Sam everything he needs yeah. to know about speed running in like, like a minute. On a and, Nintendo 64, <laughs> I could just pick it up right now and like skip that whole staircase part. Yep. Any percent runs oh. often reach this point where someone discovers an, an exploit that makes that category not fun. Exactly. Not in every video games, but in many video games, it's like they discover some trick that lets them beat the game in like a minute, mm-hmm. and then it's like, well, you're not even really like exploring well, and that's the, the game problem and its is mechanics by that point. Z- for zero and one star to be possible, SBLJ is super hard. So most people are just like, I'm not even going to mess with that. Yep. Like it's crazy hard to do. So that's why most people do 16 star. Mm-hmm. There's some. I was thinking about Super Mario Brothers today, and uh, there's some things that were really bothering me. Can I ask you guys this? At the beginning of Super Mario Brothers, he's small, yeah, and if yeah. he eats a, a magic mushroom, he grows big, yeah. which is his normal, right? Which is right. Mario. <laughs> which is Mario? Well, is the big small? one is called Super Mario. So. That's when he's not when he has the star. Yeah, it's a good point. So maybe small Mario is ca- canonical. Is he, yeah, star? I don't know. Who, what like, like what enough. happened to him to make him small? Like no, he, he is small. Oh, is he small? That's so so. We're seeing this point in his life where he grew up. He's got a mustache. He's old, right? Or he's you know at least in his like twenties or so. And then and then we meet Mario, and we're seeing this life changing event happen in the first like twenty seconds because he gets a mushroom. Yeah, how but, is he not freaking out? But if you think about it, where he is in the beginning of Super Mario Brothers is what he is as Jumpman and Donkey yeah. Kong. Yeah, and, just, and he doesn't oh. grow bigger. I think small Mario is default Mario. That's yeah. his actual. That's mm. his true form. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Mark also brings it's, up a good point. How old is he in Super Mario Brothers? You think he's in his 20s? <laughs> yeah. I always thought of him as older than that. Like an old man? Not old man, but that, middle-aged probably. That might be like defined in like a Nintendo power. So if, yeah. small, a if small Mario is his default Mario, then why in every 3D game is he big Mario? Have you ever asked Nintendo these questions? Yes, this would be a good... I, they I, wouldn't I, have a sense no, of humor about it. No, no but but I, when I, you do, they say Mario doesn't have an age... He's a video game character. Yeah. Yeah. Which is that's a good point. But I can you almost go. promise you that the small Mario, big Mario thing, they probably have an answer for it. Like Nintendo of Japan. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Okay. My other Did you know those stars are, are called Starman? Yeah. Uh, I know I remember that from the manual. So is the star <laughs> the man? <laughs> there's lots yeah. of questions, right? There's, where does he go? The other thing there's <laughs> Mario lore. Swords. All the people so, the the citizens turned into blocks and yeah, Mario yeah. punches a, a question mark block right. to get the magic mushroom to come out. Who put the mushroom in the box? Why is it there? Does it grow in there? Is there an, like what? How did it even get in there? You would think if Bowser was trying to put a stop to Mario, he would just not put it there. Yeah, yeah. You sometimes I, you know, like like Tanuki uh, Mario. It made sense now because Tanuki Mario can turn into a statue, and in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, Tanuki are like these you know uh, actual creatures, but they're they're expressed as lawn gnome type creatures that look like that thing that Mario turns into. Yeah. So that totally bizarre thing that we didn't connect is not part of not part of our culture uh when we were kids now i understand but maybe in japan there's something with question mark blocks and maybe and mushrooms that we just don't know about there's also a a Mega Man boss that has a japanese name which one is that it's from four or five that doesn't like make any sense to us yeah 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 Mm. i know what you're talking about i can't remember Um, yes the other thing i was going to say is that uh since i finished assassin's creed i've been at a loss of what to play next Mm. so i went back a ways. Last night I was playing Strider 
2. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. I downloaded... Is that a Genesis game? It was a PlayStation 1. It's quite a... I downloaded... I dug out my Vita, and I downloaded the PlayStation Classic Strider 2. Okay. And it's really good. Really fun. I was also comparing and contrasting Ghouls and Ghosts and Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah. Different games, Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think I could just say... Ghouls and Ghosts is an arcade game. Arcade and Genesis. Mm -hmm. Super Ghouls and Ghosts came to Super Super Nintendo, obviously. But they're different games. Uh, I don't think either one is better than the other one. The Super Nintendo version has a cool intro that uses Mode 7. But you can't fire up in that one, and you can in uh, Ghouls and Ghosts. I can't believe I was playing Anthem while you were playing this. We could have been playing Strider. (laughs) You should make a pros and cons, like a plus delta chart. Yeah, I really should. I think I'm going to spend the rest of my afternoon. Doing <laughs> yep, that. clear it. Uh, now we don't have to edit this video. <laughs> anymore, <laughs> no, yeah, it's going to free up lots of time. Mark, yeah. thank you for your service. Okay, you are dismissed. Uh, everybody, don't go anywhere. We're going to reset, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Blake Harris, author of Console Wars. All right, now we are joined by a very special guest here in the GameScoop studio, Blake Harris, author of Console Wars, author of the brand new book, The History of the Future, is joining us on the show. Uh, I've long followed Blake on Twitter. It's great to finally meet you in person. Yeah. Console Wars is such an incredible book. Uh, we've championed it many times here on the show. It is required reading mm-hmm. for all of our listeners out there, telling the story of the, the, the console war, the Great War, mm-hmm. yeah. as we called it. Nintendo and Sega in the uh, early 90s. Chronic place in the first age. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm grateful to you guys age? for yeah. uh, spreading Second the word. Age. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've talked to you guys before. The, the writing that book changed my life. I went from being a commodities broker to <laughs> living my dream every day of wearing shorts and also writing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, and the reason it sold well is because people continue to spread the word. So yeah. seriously, thanks, guys. An incredible read. Uh, we want to get to know a little bit of your, your gaming self. What's your favorite game of all time? Um, NHL 94. NHL okay. 94, that's a great pick. An, an, on not Genesis? A one. Yeah. yeah. It's also like the only game I'm good at, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because NHL 94 came out on Super Nintendo also, right? Yeah. So, so it's, you got to choose. Yeah, Definitely no. the Genesis version. Yeah. That yeah. was the popular All the one. EA guys, the EA Sports guys I interviewed, when I told them I love that game, they're like, the Genesis version though, right? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, all right, good. So I th- thought it was a good time. Now I'm interested to know what the differences are. Because I just, you know, it was just natural to play those sports games on the Genesis at the time. But mm-hmm. why? Why did we care so much? My dad isn't a gamer, but there's a handful of games that he played, Galaga, uh, Tecmo Bowl, and NHL was one of them. We didn't own a Sega Genesis, but like one Friday night, I was in junior high, I guess. He was like, okay, son, we're going to go. We're going to rent a Sega Genesis. I'm going to rent NHL. You can pick a game. I'm going to play NHL until I go to bed, and then you can play your game. <laughs> What'd you pick? Uh, probably Lemmings. I think actually it was Lemmings. Yeah, I love yeah. the Lemmings game. I love Lemmings too. Yeah, it's great. We're looking forward to a Lemmings post mortem at GDC this year. Where yeah, the classic like game break down how Lemmings was made, and I think we're really excited. That's about maybe that. my wife and I. One of our little inside jokes is the. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, totally. It's stopping the edge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lemmings was that Lemming you can never save. Yeah, no, you really have sad. to detonate that, that guy. That's gets why you gotta love him. Yeah, it's yeah. DMA Designs, right? That's the they would go on to do Grand Theft Auto. They are a rock star. Yeah. Rockstar North, I believe. Yep. Um, so, of course, Console Wars uh, was a fascinating read. History of the Future is brand new. It just came out last week, is that right? Yes, yeah. it came out last Tuesday. And uh, I spent three and a half years writing this, so a little bit longer than Console Wars. Mm. And it turned out so different than I would have <laughs> imagined, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into. But, yeah, it's a story about Oculus and the you know VR revolution of the past few years. Uh, and... To me, it, you know, it starts off very similar to Console Wars, a sort of larger-than-life tale. Yeah. Um, and we can get into it however you'd like, but uh, I'm, I'm so glad that it's out, and uh, 
Another really thick book. And who are the key people that you interviewed for this book? Sure. So um, the book starts in April 2012, and it's like Hansel Ward's narrative nonfiction. Um, And it starts in a uh, dilapidated trailer in Long Beach, California, where a 19-year-old kid named Palmer Lucky, Mm -hmm. dreamer, inventor, gamer, is uh, building virtual reality headsets. Um, I remember he was once describing what that trailer looked like that he had gutted out to me, and I said, you know, that kind of sounds like uh, Walter White's meth van on Breaking Bad, but except designed to make virtual reality headsets mm-hmm, and not yeah. drugs. And he's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. And so you've got him. Or like the Ready Player One setup, yeah. right? With yeah. With a virtual reality headset. That was like a not lost on me how similar yeah. it was to yeah. Wade Watts. And, uh, and so, you know, Palmer at the time, nobody cared about virtual reality or the number of people who did, who he would frequent with online, uh, you know, it was in like the double digits. And, uh, but then lo and behold, he gets a message from John Carmack, uh, you know, legendary game maker mm-hmm. from id Software. Right. Of Doom. Of Doom, Wolfenstein, Quake, all sorts Rage. of awesome stuff. And uh, John is planning to re-release a version of Doom 3 for at E3 that year mm-hmm. and thought it would be cool marketing gimmick to release Doom 3 in virtual reality. And uh, what John does is after every game that he finishes, and that year he had just finished Rage, he likes to take a little R&D period, he likes to call it, and one time he started exploring rockets, and that led to Armadillo Aerospace. Uh, he is a genius, so sure. he can do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in this case, he thought, what, whatever happened to VR? Like, like back in the 90s, people had licensed Doom and Quake, but nothing had come of it, and he saw, thought, well, certainly the technology must have advanced substantially since I last checked and found out that no, it really hadn't. And, uh, and he was looking for the best available headsets out there. And there was one made by Sony, um, the HMZ T1, but that didn't really have tracking. So it was kind of more just like a television on your face. And I guess like the, the military used them a little bit right. and some educational, yeah. uh, like schools had them. First like thing. it wasn't, you know, people say VR died in the 90s, but what <clears> they really mean is that consumer VR died in yes. the 90s. And it's still in military um, and still in academia. Mm-hmm. But even in those cases, it was like very, very expensive. Yeah. And the whole allure. And of, still not that good. Right? Right. Yeah, that That's was the crazy. amazing thing. Like, even the top-end stuff, if you went to the University of North Carolina or Stanford, you, it wasn't, like, light years ahead. Mm. And, uh, and John was trying out the best of what was out there, which cost thousands of dollars, and then heard about a hardware hacker named Palmer Tech and uh, reached out to him, asked if he could borrow his headset, and found that this headset, this prototype that Palmer had made, the prototype for the Oculus Rift, was, uh, you know, not only much better than everything else out there, but also significantly cheaper. And then so launches the incredible journey of Oculus. Um, and that's the end of the book, right? That's, that's the end of the yes. book. <laughs> just an origin story. <laughs> no, um, that's just the very beginning yeah. of the book. And then a lot of uh, dramatic interludes occur between yeah. then and the existence of the Oculus uh, as it is now. Yeah. And, and what really, you know, there's so many things about it that appeal to me. Um, from a business standpoint, it's the fastest company to a multi billion dollar exit ever. From Whoa, just, I didn't know that. Yeah, from just a current event standpoint, yeah. spoiler alert, they sold to Facebook for $3 billion. So yeah. um, this story and the access I got was sort of a really interesting backdoor into mm-hmm. life at Facebook. Um, and then just, of course, all the gaming aspects of um, how do you build in this new medium and all that sort of stuff is, uh, is really fascinating. And um, I'm prepared to take the conversation in any direction you want, but uh, <laughs> but like the, like what I really always liked was um, like like a lot of people between 2012 and 2014, like you and I were just talking about it. I, I tried an Oculus Rift dev kit, and my immediate thought taking it off was like, "Wow, that's the coolest thing ever!" or "Wow, that's the future." Mm. And 
it's interesting that so many people had that reaction, but like, what does it mean? And how do you build a business out of that? How do you monetize that? And uh, I guess we're still sort of figuring that out. Yeah, today. we're in that right now. But like, th- I, that was what really fascinated me was w- even with the coolest thing ever or a very cool thing, like, what does that mean? How do you build a business? How do you protect a business? Yeah. Well, so I, I, all three of the major VR platforms all arrived in 2016, I think. Right? Yep. Oculus yeah, yeah, yeah. and PlayStation VR and HTC Vive. So like the news that year, people were t- talking about VR nonstop. All of it finally arrives and I don't know. I think it was uh, a little bit, the adoption has been a little bit slower than people anticipated. Is that- That's a charitable way of saying <laughs> it. Although last year it was a, a cool year because we got That's one true. game that got tens everywhere. Astrobot. Yeah, and I think that was like a good moment for VR. But seriously, this is like a dragged out history now mm-hmm. instead of like a very, you know, we kind of pictured it. It wasn't like a, a sea change yes, in the exactly. industry when it all arrived, right? Yeah. Right. And I hope it's not like 3D television, right? Which went away. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Right. But nobody wanted 3D television. And a lot that's of people true. want VR. I, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, w- one of the things um, that I get into in the book, and this is sort of interesting to think about, is, you know, the prologue is uh, I was able to get a video of the speech that Mark Zuckerberg gave to the team the day of the acquisition, explaining, hmm. like, well, here's why I spent a lot of money to acquire you guys. Mm-hmm. And, and in his, you know, this, the butchered version of what he said, but the summed up version is that. He saw virtual reality and augmented reality as the next great computer computing platform similar to mobile, and he wanted to be first to that. He's sort of famously had a felt, you know, he's famously and explicitly said that he missed out on that, so he wanted mm. to get in first here. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and throughout a lot of the story, there's all these allusions to the adoption curve of mobile, and, you know, you have, like, BlackBerry and whatnot in 2006, 2007, and then leads to iPhone and mm-hmm. Android, and now it's near ubiquitous. And, and, <clears throat> but there was other people at Oculus, and, and particularly sort of the earlier true believers like Palmer, who totally believe in VR as the future mm-hmm. as much as anyone else, but they always sort of likened it less to the smartphone revolution and more to the PC revolution of the late 70s. Ah. And because that really you know, dealt with an enthusiast homebrew crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and People built their first computers yeah. then. And like originally, that was what Palmer wanted mm-hmm. to do was to it was going to be a dev kit, but it was like a kit that you yeah. had to put together yourself. Yeah. And um, you know, it's interesting to sort of think about how this all would have played out if they went down those different directions, particularly in terms of like expectation mm-hmm. setting, because the tech has gotten better, but expectations are different. And you know, we like the probably you know the personification of successful you know PC companies in the seventies is Apple, mm-hmm. and and certainly they have been very successful and deserved their success even though it was like a homebrew mm-hmm. sort of thing back then but my family didn't own a pc until 1995 so yeah. as like successful as the pc revolution was like it didn't really hit mainstream until 15 years later that's true so i don't think that will be the case here and it also remains to be seen if it will be the case at all with vr mm-hmm. but um it's certainly going to be a much longer sure. and slower burn than a lot of people were expecting do you think it is here to stay though it's a good question it certainly feels that way but i don't think so i think that mm-hmm. Facebook is subsidizing so much of the industry right now that if they were to pull the plug, I don't know who would fill those gaps. I mean, do you think VR will be a significant part of the next generation of game consoles? Or PlayStation 5, Xbox, uh, whatever, Scarlet, whatever they're calling it. Yeah. Um, Honestly, not really. 
Yeah. I mean, I, if you'd asked me three years ago, I would have said for sure. And I'm again, like I'm still very bullish on the long term future of it. Mm-hmm. But but um, as we were talking about for the show, you know, at the beginning of the story, especially with people like John Carmack, and then the uh, Valve was a huge contributor and early adopter and you know cheerleader supporter endorser of Oculus. There was this sense of like, you know, that first person shooters would be perfect for VR. Yeah. Um, and that hasn't really proven to be the case. Um, and so given how big of a role first person shooters play in the games that we play, mm-hmm. I don't like, you know, I don't think it's a natural fit that VR would necessarily have to be part of that. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I mean, I think first person experiences work, yeah. but right. first person shooters, they're twitchy action yes. games that you have to use a controller for. That's not what's worked. It's really these kind of passive first person things. And then as we were talking about, uh, I, I love a lot of aspects of VR right now. I love the sense of scale you get in a game like Lucky's Tale. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't gravitate towards the games that I actually like to play on my console, which are shooters and exploration-based games and yeah. stuff like that. You know, there's just yeah. not working for that. I mean, a very bad example, but like kind of prove the point is like I said, NHL '94 is my favorite game, yeah. and I, I'm not a good hockey player at all. <laughs> but like when I play that game, I am, and yeah. sort of with the first-person shooter mm-hmm. thing, like like the way first-person shooters are designed, it's like sort of superhuman abilities Absolutely. that when you're actually in there yourself, yeah. you're not you're as skilled, <laughs> and so there's no advantage. And and I mean, it's more immersive, but um, that's sort of the, the bummer of it is our yeah. feeble human bodies. It's like all the heavy lifting that the Wii did for us with tennis and bowling yeah. and golf uh, to a lesser extent. Like that, you know, you don't have to be good at those actual sports, but just feeling like you were good at them is actually a big element of those motion controls feeling good. Yeah. And and like you were talking about the scale, and that is one of the amazing things that if you were haven't tried VR yet, I would recommend that you really have an experience like that. Um, and, and in a non-gaming sense, you know, one of the like light bulb moments for me that's that's kind of obvious, but but like with much of VR, you have to see it for yourself. Was when I tried like virtual cinema, and so yeah. I'm in my 400 square foot apartment, and then all of a sudden I put on a headset, and now I have a 50 foot movie theater screen. Exactly. Um, and that's amazing. And then you know, my my brother and best friend lives in Colorado, and hopefully in the very near future, I could. Watch join him on the couch yeah. and watch Netflix on a big screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even now you basically can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you do feel a sense of presence with another person because it's on your head, it's tracking all your movements, and mm-hmm. certainly the avatars are nowhere near your beautiful faces. But mm-hmm. like you do get the sense of like the little mannerisms and the twitches, yeah. and you do feel like you're with someone else, yeah. which is very cool. There was, there was talk that that could be adopted by airlines. Like yeah. every, right, every seat would have your VR headset, and you could just watch your movies that way. Mm-hmm. As long as they get them clean. Still waiting on that. <laughs> uh, Blake, one of the things we like to do on the show here once a month is we take a trip to our retro game magazine library and we uh, pick something from that month. I've selected something that might be significant, I hope, to you. Yeah. This is the March 1992 issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly, Ooh. which is right in the wheelhouse of uh, Console Wars. Yeah. Uh, the book that you... This is like this is feeding right. into my Peter Pan complex <laughs> that I was able to make a career out of. Um, so yeah, this is, retro. <laughs> <laughs> this, there's lots of really good stuff in this one that I'm excited to share with you. On the cover, we've got it's the 1992 video game preview issue. I mean, those are like three of my favorite all-time games. I guess there's well, so Street Fighter Two, uh, Turtles this, Two. This is Turtles Four uh, that they got on here, and Sonic Two. Is Turtles Four a fighting game? No, I don't think What's so. What's it yet. called? Turtles in Time. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just side scrolling. Uh, but it says... Tournament Fighters is the fighting game. For Sonic 2, it says, play the cart, CD-ROM, and arcade. What? No, I don't think that... <laughs> what does that mean? That didn't actually come to... Was there ever to... a Sonic 2 in... 
I don't arcades? think I, I can't think. No, of the only one I could think of is in Wayne's World that Noah's arcade. They have a Sonic, <laughs> but that was never real. Yeah. Either. They totally do. There's an X Files episode <laughs> in which they go to yep. an arcade, and it, the sound is all Sonic rings, and, and it's uh, like, it's yeah, also like Jack playing. Black as the kid. Oh, oh wow. in the oh, really X Files yeah. episode. I might be conflating that with a different X Files episode, but he's definitely like in that era of X Files. He just shows up. Yeah, it was Jack Black. Got confirmation. Nice. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, the game preview includes games such as Alien 3, Robocop 3, and Qbert. Good. What? Yeah. Qbert? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I remember in the 1992. Alien 3 game, uh, the Super Nintendo game, though. Uh, the Alien 3 game actually has great music. Um, Which you've used on GameScoop before. Yeah, that's true. Now, I want to point out this ad for this game, Treasure Master. Sam, are you familiar with this one? No. <laughs> really? So this is one of those... <laughs> is this the box art? <clears throat> Yeah, so this is one of those games. It was like a, a a gimmick. It was like a contest. Okay, you had to beat the game by a certain date. Oh, it's like the sword. That's quest, really cool. The sword quest game for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Yeah. So this game is called Treasure Master, and I think it was produced by MTV. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out how sketchy as hell this advertisement says two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in giant letters, but then it says in fantasy prizes. Yeah, no way. And then after in fantasy prizes, there's an asterisk, <laughs> which I don't even so that's- see. Oh yeah, it says see official Treasure <laughs> Master competition rules for complete details. In- Incredibly suspicious. So, like, the prize winners received stamped envelope to get, right? Sam, you could have won a fantasy concert. What 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 system is this for? NES. So, it's an NES game called Treasure Master. So, how did that get past the seal? You had to beat it by April 11th. Remember, this is March, April 11th, 1992, at 12 p.m. (laughs) Eastern Time. What do you do? Take a Polaroid? There's like, you get like a code. (laughs) It's Super Nintendo. Uh, well, this doesn't look like a Super Nintendo. I know, I know it doesn't, but it's a Super Nintendo. <laughs> oh, no, boy. Dude, this is a box art for I know, NES game. I'm very confused. Right here, That's a seal of quality. All right, I'm, I'm I'll look into this. Almost certain. This. What anyway. if this didn't come out? I want to know who won. Who won the fantasy concert? Yeah. yeah. And I'm on the show. In the fantasy game room with a 50-inch big screen projection TV. Yes. Awesome component sound system. The components wow. are awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> That's great. such a good idea, actually, to put out a game that's tied to a contest. I mean, yeah, I think that's really, really good. Uh, here in the letters section, there's a, I like this letter from uh, Chris in Illinois. It says, uh, let me start by complimenting you on your increasingly better coverage of the Super NES. Mm. When it premiered, you dumped on it, but now you seem to have taken a heavier liking to it. Well, I just brought the January 92 issue, and I was blown away by the sterling coverage of everything. Being a fan of the Ninja Turtle games, I loved your in-depth review of Turtles 3. No other magazine came close to such a cool preview of what looks to be a hot game. I can't wait to get it. And that's just sort of demonstrating how, Blake, we've noticed a lot of times the audience can't differentiate between a preview and a, and a review. Yeah, we'll like write our but first impressions of a game and people will be like, you know, yeah. thanks for your review. I guess I won't get this one. <laughs> it's like, you know, five yeah. minutes after it was announced at E3. Yeah. I can't, fo- I'm, I'm so dazzled by your radio voice. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I've been, oh, I have been doing this for. It's wonderful. I've been doing this for many years. Yeah. So in the review section here, they review Super Adventure Island. They love that one. They got an editor's choice like this Adventure month. Island. Yeah, that is a good game. They mm-hmm. act like Adventure Island was a big deal back in the day, but people don't talk about that this anymore. What, this is why I love look, looking through these old magazines, because sometimes it'll be like Mega Man, Sonic, Mario, but then the fourth thing is like not something that <laughs> carried through like 25 I mean, yeah, years yeah. later. Adventure like, Island is a really good example of that. Yeah. Like I was so excited for that game after the other Adventure Islands, but now nobody talks about Adventure Island. <laughs> Joe and Mac. They reviewed Joe and Mac. And Joe and Mac is similar. Uh, the guy that gave it an eight, he says, it is good to see that companies are starting to make games that are fun to play. <laughs> Wow. That is good to see. It's a little on the, on the nose. They're to solve the demand thing there. <laughs> People like the fun games. Joe do- Mac was like an arcade hit when I was a kid. I, like, I remember going to the arcade and like seeing it and being like, wow, this looks really good. So when it came home, I was like, I can save so much money. 
Remember that being the pitch for our getting arcade games home? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, more quarters. Did you usually rent the game first? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Usually. I Always mean, like games. those, like the real big first party Nintendo games that I was too excited to probably rent first. Star Fox and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. They reviewed Zelda 3, and they refer to it as Zelda 3. That's so bizarre. All throughout here. And it so got linked to the past, right? This yes. is a review, and the yeah. game doesn't have a name yet. Well, or they're just calling it Zelda 3 because that's what everyone called it. I don't know. Really but like, strange. I want to point out the score is basically the same as Super Adventure Island. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild to me that this is now is one of the greatest video games yeah. of all time. That's great. Oh. And it's like it's not even on page one of their reviews. <laughs> I know. One of these guys gave it an eight. Like I, we just like you say, yeah. people. Some people consider this to be one of the greatest games of all time. This guy thought it was an eight. He says this game lives up to all of the expectations one could have in a Super NES sequel. Oh, eight. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, we're figuring out like the whole conspiracy angle here because you know the other magazines were mad at Nintendo for keeping all the good stuff for themselves, so they're clearly not doing good coverage of Ninja Turtles on yeah. Super Nintendo yeah. and. <laughs> jumping on those reviews. Zelda three. It, yeah. At this time, the reviews, unless I'm missing something, they're not bylined either. Well, they are the very front. Yeah, oh, the so they each carry yeah, over. I guess that, 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 that yeah. horizontal. Yeah. How much were they each playing each of these games? No, they, they weren't. They were hardly. They were, they were barely uh, doing anything at all. So Blake, were you more of a Genesis guy? You I definitely was. Okay, I, I th- I've told the story countless times, but it, it really changed my life. Like my brother and I, like. One in three households in America had a NES, and so naturally the thing we wanted more than anything in the world was a Super Nintendo. Yeah. And I remember asking my father, you know, we put together like the childhood equivalent of a PowerPoint presentation, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, for our <laughs> birthdays and Hanukkah and everything, we'll be good, we'll do the we'll dishes. Yeah. Like, like we yeah. want a Super Nintendo, and my dad said, no, that Nintendo will just come out the Super Duper Nintendo. Uh. And, you know... And then a super super duper Nintendo, yeah. and he definitely like prognosticated. And the, the games of couldn't consoles. play the old, right? And that was really what it was. My parents were so like, obsessed. It was the with backward that, yeah. compatibility thing, and right. so someone's decision in a boardroom somewhere is the reason why I became a Genesis household because somehow that was like an exception for my parents. Yeah, um, and that was kind of what like sparked my interest in console wars. Like, what? Oh, yeah. business decisions actually influence these gatekeepers and all. Yeah, that, so. oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, the Genesis games they reviewed here are Chuck Rock. Mm. She's got pretty high marks. Ass. Marble Madness. They didn't like that version of Marble Madness. <laughs> got a bunch of fives. Well, you know, Rolling Thunder times. 2 got an Editor's Choice Award, though. And Terminator. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, okay. What? One person rated Marble Madness a seven. Yeah. That's almost as good as A Link to the yeah. Past. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But Rolling Thunder, I think, is right up there with A Link to the Past. I think it's got a higher three. review average. Yeah, it's probably true. And Terminator, which you mentioned before, Sam, is, that is unusual. This is 1992. Terminator, Terminator like 1. Almost. Uh, it's like an eight-year-old movie at that yeah. point, so it's a little. The timing is a little odd for that game. Uh, on Game Boy, they reviewed Missile Command. Sure, I mean, I think Game Boy got a like, ton of arcade ports. Well, I can't, certainly this couldn't be good. I like this one, uh, which is the good one. Oh yeah, this is the good review of Missile Command on Game Boy. They says now I've seen all the classics: Space Invaders, Dig Dug, Pac Man, and now Missile Command. My question is why? I thought they were great <laughs> twelve years ago, but now they are old news. Oh, I know why. Since Nintendo is pushing the Game Boy as a yuppie toy, these <laughs> old folks who have lost their reflexes can relive old memories. Whoa. That's probably true. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that is the exact reason Missile Command was on the Game Boy. Yeah. Yuppie toy. Yeah. That's who did uh, Mega Man 2 on Game Boy. That got an Editor's Choice Award. It's a yuppie toy, and that's illegal. <laughs> uh, in the uh, Games of March 92, which is brought to you by Electronic Arts Sports Network. Wait, so is this an advertisement? Yeah, but it's also a list of games mm, that are in stores this, this month. Very yeah. unclear. Also, at the bottom, there's the pick of the month. 
No, there's no pick. Or I guess it's over here. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's an EASN title. Anyway. So they list the new releases for Nintendo. Nintendo Super NES, Game Boy Genesis, Turbo, Lynx, Neo Geo, Game Gear. There's a section for Master System. It just says nothing will be released this month. (laughs) That's what I imagine seeing the Neo Geo being like, can't you extend our little section and get rid of the Like Their editor was like, there's no Master Systems games coming out. What do we do? Got to keep the template. We got to keep the template. Don't have time to rearrange the page. 92, surely there weren't. Still, Master System games being released in '92. People weren't even playing them in 1989. <laughs> no, I know. 1982. Come on. <laughs> you know what probably came out close to 1992 was the Sonic the Hedgehog port yeah. of the Master System. That's true. I think that might have come out that year. I think a lot of people are exposed to that. It was like Game Game Gear got the Master the weird Master System mm-hmm. versions of Sonic. Yeah. Yeah, got yeah, the hang glider. <clears throat> it's just bizarre. <laughs> I forgot about the hang glider. I still can't figure that out. <laughs> hang glider level. Yeah. All right, we've got knows what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> we've got Quarterman with the hottest gaming gossip right. of March '92. He says, uh, "In other CD gaming news, the Q Man has heard rumors from sources within Sega that the upcoming release of their Mega CD drive will be accompanied with Sonic the Hedgehog 2 as the pack-in. Close. Sonic will also make sequel appearances in both a cartridge-based game as well as an arcade game on Sega's System 32 that invites multiple players to assume the role of different colored Sonics. Nope. Way cool. That's pretty cool. Well, what yeah, do you just think that was nothing. I think." You made it up. <laughs> In other Sega CD yeah, developments, just uh, rumors. What's the different colors? I mean, there were already multiple Sonic characters. Why would they make different colored Sonic? I mean, like four years later or more, they made Sonic R, the racing game where you're racing on foot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it says, in other Sega CD developments, the Genesis CD-ROM hybrid, now being created by the technical wizards at JVC, Nepal. has been given a working title, the Wonder Mega. Stupid name for a super system. So the Sega CD is what they're talking about? No, no, they, they made already it, knew about the Sega CD. They this make is the it, hybrid system. They make a Sega CD and a Genesis together called the Neptune. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it ever actually came out, but I remember so, seeing it you say it Super Mega? Wonder Mega. Oh, the, Wonder Mega. The, that was the co- the working title, the Wonder See, Mega. we just need to make a 1990s console generator, console name generator. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's actually <laughs> you just You just mix them up each time. <laughs> Ultra, Mega. N- Nintendo releases specs on Super NES CD-ROM. Does it mention Sony? I remember this. This is part of my research. I don't know if Sony's in here. Yeah. Well, and this is the device that showed up recently. The The leaked one? The drawing here. Yeah. And then Nintendo betrayed Sony, which gave Sony the little uh, motivation they needed to put out the console themselves. Uh, It also says here, Star Trek The Next Generation by Spectrum Holobyte will be one of the first Super NES CD-ROM games. Dude, I as a big Star Trek fan, I had a dismally bad Star <laughs> Trek game on the Genesis. It's just horrible. Was but it I, the Training Academy? I don't remember, but I played it all the time, and it's, it's like Starfleet awful. Academy. Uh, there's an article on Game Genie for Genesis. Uh, it says uh, the U.S. distributor of the Nintendo Game Genie demonstrated at the Winter Consumer Electronics Show a working prototype of a new Game Genie for Sega's Genesis game system. Unlike the Nintendo version, the Genesis Game Genie car- uh, carries Sega's seal of approval, oh, and it is a right. licensed Sega product. That I means it that. is being done with the blessings of Sega, and there will not be any lawsuits down the road. Whoa! Of course, there that was a jerk move about Nintendo yeah. by Nintendo, but also not surprising given how they they have tried to block you know, game uh, yeah. renters as well. Yep. Yeah. It's another big thing. And yeah. Thrill of Safari. It's an ad for Thrill of Safari on NES. TNC Surf Design 2. Yeah, the sequel to TNC. I love that game. I think it's really fun. It's an interesting isometric-ish game. You gotta think like around that time, the success of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles emboldened every marketer ever. Yeah. Ape, skateboard, just like bandana. Like anything could work. Yeah. There's a little uh, oh, there's a code for Paperboy 2 on Super NES here. They also have a section on Game Genie codes, and for Super Mario Brothers, they've got codes uh, to make Mario appear under the floor, 
<laughs> Whoa, there's like a purple warp pipe. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, you, there's also code to turn enemies into Toad. Whoa. Really? From Finally, yeah. Toad gets his comeuppets. I know, and this is a good one for Contra. This code will let you get a free man every time you destroy an enemy. Oh, that's actually pretty legit. I mean, yeah. that's. I love the Game Genie codes that don't just give you the infinite lives or whatever, but right. do something that kind of breaks it but is also fun. Yep. I mean, the moon gravity is the best example of that for Super Mario Brothers. You can just jump over the flag, finally. And this is particularly fascinating uh, and relevant to your interests, Blake. Here, uh, in, their, in their arcade section, the headline is, Virtual Reality Hits the Arcade. <laughs> this is March 1992. The article says, The thin line between video games and reality is getting even smaller, thanks to a new system developed by Spectrum Holobyte. They were making that Star Trek game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, going on? The, uh, the original system, which was developed by W Industries, was called Virtuality. Which is what we were discussing earlier. Yeah, That's what showed up in malls it in the was 90s. Palmer Lucky tried to buy at least that name, right? Yeah. Virtuality. And he was in Kansas at uh, Olive Garden. Whoa. And uh, I've guys been to many Olive Gardens the, in Kansas. Uh, the IP were like, <laughs> were you there? You don't want that name. There's so much baggage related to it. It says to play, you put on a helmet that simulates your environment. Then, depending on which way you turn your head, the scene around you changes. The visor that you wear to play the game holds the screens that show the game, as well as a quadraphonic sound system that has music, sound effects, and voice communications. One of the really unique ideas is that the simulator allows you to play against other people, including people across the country. Right now, up to 20 simulators can be hooked up like this. That's cool. I mean, they, how are they accomplishing that in 92? That's actually pretty legit. The yeah, technology, so notoriously horrible. Sometimes arcade collectors turn up these consoles, and they're like, I think that like, when I when I've, I've played one of those in the yeah. mall. Yeah, we all did, yeah. Yeah, it was like you, you had to wait in line for 20 like, minutes or whatever. And uh, they're giant. That's like a yeah. big restrictive, like, you know, yeah. circular yeah. thing. And then you put that on your head. And so I'm surprised that hardware is out there. And I'd love to see, you know, see it now, what it looks like. They've got big previews of Turtles for Turtles in Time for Super Nintendo, Street Flash. Fighter 2 for SNES, Out of This World, which is a game I like. Better than Flashback, I think. Uh, Super Battletoads. But then they also, I like uh, Simpsons Bart's Nightmares in here. So in 92, that's like a sweet spot for Simpsons, right? Yep. Yeah. This, like a good year season for the three, show. Right? Yeah, something like that. It's yeah. getting good. It's getting good. It's not quite good yet. Three's pretty season great. five is stride hitting for the Simpsons. They have a preview for a Nintendo game called Special Tee Shot. Have you ever heard of this? No. It was like a um, wacky mini golf game that was it looks never like released Kirby's Dream Course. here. It does look like Kirby's Dream Course. It was released in Japan for their Satellaview like, mm-hmm. system. It's yeah, so wild when we flip through these. Cool. We always comment on this. The percent complete in the this previous. 80, this game's 80%, 80% complete. complete yeah. Like so much of these magazines are just making up whatever <laughs> they want. Yeah. There are no rules. 80%. You write an angry letter, they're not going to run it because they have to yeah. use the space for the, your coverage is getting so much better. And now there's a 16-page strategy guide for Mick Kids Ooh, that's a <laughs> on lot NES. Of I'm, it's a, it's a special yeah. advertising supplement. There you is go. a McDonald's-based uh, platformer on the NES. From Virgin Interactive. Six, Wait, doesn't even have a, pages. The whole, oh, that's Burger King. I was thinking of. With the, yeah. The, what was the gang called? The Burger Kids King? Club? Yeah, Kids Club. Yeah, the Burger King. PK Kids Club? Club. Dude. Now, the, the Mick Kids were a total derivation of that. <laughs> I think Mick Kids is a... Uh, is a different license in Japan originally, too. Mm. I'll have to look it up after this, but I'm p- pretty sure it was something else. Mick Kids is actually fine. Do you remember in the last uh, issue that we looked at, there was an advertisement for like a fighter jet game that showed up twice in the magazine? No. Yeah, th- th- there's an ad in the beginning of the issue. The same exact ad, right ad in the middle. at the end. <laughs> yeah. Here's another ad for Treasure Master. Yes. Whoa! <laughs> Reminding you of the competition. So you could buy, buy a couple spaces in the magazine. And if you say... April's coming... 
if you say EGM to the prize hotline operator when you call the 900 number, uh, you get a one-year uh, subscription to EGM. You have to call a number and just say EGM? Yeah. But What's that's going not- on back then, man? <laughs> there are no cops. You just you <laughs> do them whatever you wanted. EGM. Yeah. Let's call that number. Well, it's that so never worked easier out. easier to do scams back then. Like, yeah. Yeah. You can get away with anything. Who's like operating okay. that phone at midnight on the deadline? Like, it's so weird. <laughs> How well do we remember the movie Alien 3? Is everyone up on Alien 3? Remember yeah. the, at least uh, the broad I don't like strokes? movies. Okay, well, Alien 3, they have a preview here, and I want to read you the opening of this preview. It says, mm-hmm. In April, there will be a new Aliens movie coming out on the big screen. A month later, there will be another version of this movie, but not at the box office. This version will be in the form of a Genesis cart. Mm. In the movie, the aliens interbreed with the human race. The outcome of this produces humans that have alien characteristics. This makes them even more dangerous because now they are harder to distinguish. An added twist has alien hater and heroine Ripley impregnated this way. That doesn't happen in the... That's not what the movie's about at all. No. No. Yeah, it's just what? about a prison colony. Yeah. There's she, nothing she has, about she has an alien aliens baby. interbreeding with the human race. Well, she does have that alien baby, though. Yeah, but that's at the end. But there's nothing about breeding yeah, human-alien sure. hybrids yeah. and, oh, I can't tell who's who now. I guess that's just in the Genesis sequel. <laughs> direct sequel. Um, they spent a lot of time explaining what the movie version of a video... Or video yeah. game version <laughs> of a movie is. Like, yeah, we get it. Like, yeah, we understand. And I love this. It's a preview of Double Dragon on Sega Genesis. Do you play this version? The, it's, no, it's an arcade port. It, yeah, but the copy here is another, yet another reminder that while EGM is produced in Illinois in the United States, not all of the writing in this yeah. magazine is being written uh, And in, it's always when you States. get to the back yep. of the magazine. So this preview uh, opens with, The famous arcade classic that brought a standardization to every fighting game around is now being formulated onto the Genesis. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, I formulate things yeah. on the Genesis yep. all the time. Yep. No verb strangeness <laughs> there. Dude, I love the back of these magazines trying to find like the cheapest, the ones that would list like a Chips thousand and bits. games. Yeah. So that was a company that bought your games and then or trade them in. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they just give you like import games. Uh, this pretty good uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and Game Gear ad here. Here's one way to take Sonic the Hedgehog wherever you go. You can cut him out. Oh, that's cute. That guy's that kind of Sonic is so cool. That's or like my best. Friend. The Game Gear is the other. Just play on the game. Ah, it's pretty good. You like that design? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I just love well, that. To me, is like yeah. The Sonic when I hear Agre- the word Sonic. <laughs> Agreed. Or <laughs> sentence. And then, uh, you know the game Pit Fighter? The mm-hmm. arcade game? Oh, yeah. They have a preview of the Game Boy version. Oh, I was going to say, why is it in black and white? Ooh. Ooh. It, so like, Pit Fighter is like when, when after Mortal Kombat, there was this craze of like digitizing actors to use in, in the games. So this There's is one of tech. those. There's a Game Boy version, which has its... I appreciate its look in a different way, but it doesn't look anything like uh, the arcade. But I like how they they admit there's some changes in their preview here. They say, there are a few small details missing, <laughs> like color. <laughs> but all in all, Pit Fighter Game Boy will have you f- coming back for more. <laughs> I really wish, I mean, it's impossible, but I just wish that there was a way for us to go back in time and to that meeting where they were constructing this in Illinois. Like, when they're talking about yeah. the layout of the issue and they're like, I mean, yeah. gold. Or maybe they're yeah. just like, we know this is crap. I have a feeling it was a high-stress environment. Yeah. yeah, that's why I want to see this. The issues so? got, yeah, because the issues got thicker know, and thicker. Well, you know, know that there was like cigars involved. There's like I'm looking at their staff. Everybody smoked. Yeah. There's four people. Oh, oh, everywhere. Four people made this whole magazine. They, <laughs> each, they each had to make like three pages a day to get it done. I, I think it would be high-stress. Yeah. I don't know, man. But this, this part's really interesting. So the letters are in the beginning of this issue. Yeah. Now, all the way at the very back, it says, continued from page 18, and there's another letter. Oh. It's from Nintendo of America's general counsel. 
And it no says, way. Yep, Dear Mr. Harris, who's the editor of the magazine. Okay. On page 16 of the November 1991 issue of your publication, wow. Electronic Gaming Monthly Magazine, there appeared an editorial response to several letters from readers concerning the video game Battletoads. In that editorial response, you referred your readers to a product called the Game Action Replay by Acemore International Limited. In your concluding remarks, you stated as follows. Best of all, the Game Action Replay is a licensed Nintendo accessory. Uh-oh. Please be advised that the Game Action Replay is not now presently, nor has it ever been in the past, licensed or endorsed by Nintendo. We appreciate your taking prompt action to correct this misrepresentation and to ensure that similar misrepresentations are not made in the future. Thank you for your cooperation. I feel like that's not a letter to the editor. That's a, we need to issue a correction situation. Yeah, so, so they, they just stuck that in the back. Too. Yeah, they like buried it. Be. They buried it in the back of the issue. They buried it, but they printed it at all. The <laughs> yeah. whole thing is I very know. odd. And then they, they just they, say, uh, back in September 1991, when we were working on the article, a spokesperson from Ace More told us that yeah. Nintendo was very enthusiastic about the game action replay, and that they were expecting preliminary confirmation of the licensing. Yeah, we're that. very sorry. But I just love that they buried this that's in the awesome. very, very back of the issue. Yep. And wow. finally, a, a strategy guide for Super Adventure Island. <laughs> the opening sentence is Super Adventure Island is one of the hottest carts available for the Super NES. Yeah. And it's just surprising to me because I don't. I, I like that big picture people, of Master Higgins just being <laughs> naked. People don't talk about Super Adventure Island, any of the many entries in the series today. They reviewed A Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Does it need to be on the cover? Nope. Nope. Does McKids get 16 pages? <laughs> you know what's weird about that is that Hudson made Adventure Island, and Hudson made the Turbo Graphics. Yeah. But Adventure Island is not what they led with on Turbo Graphics. Yeah. They led with Bonk. They kept making it for Super Nintendo and stuff. I think Bonk's a better game. What's up with that? Maybe if they would have focused <clears throat> a little bit harder on Adventure Island, we'd still it, have a Turbo Graphics. Is Wonder Boy in that Adventure Island universe? Are they it's, related? It's a confusing start. Yeah. Boy is Sega. Is that right? Is mm-hmm. Wonder Boy? It's not published by. Uh, I don't know who. But I there, always conflate the two. Wonder in Boy my and mind. Monsterland. Isn't that a Sega yeah, property? There's there's a whole crossover thing. No, I think you're thinking of. Um, what's the kid? Kid Chameleon. Well, Kid Chameleon's great. <laughs> That's in this issue too. Uh, Blake, we end every episode. Alex Kid. Alex Kid is the one I'm thinking of. You're right. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was like the original Sonic, the mascot before Sonic. Yeah, yep, a bad right. Mario, Super Mario Brothers imitation. Yeah, a little bit clunky to play. Uh, we end every episode with a game of twenty video game twenty questions. You know how the twenty questions works. Yeah, yeah. It's just like that with a video game. Uh, and our suggestion this week comes from Jason Levy in Reisterstown, Maryland. So let the questioning begin. And Justin so he, and Sam will He knows the along. answer. We're going to try to guess it from him. Yep. Did this... Okay. Could wait, this... Wait, wait, hold on. Where is the kid from? Reisterstown, adult, I don't know. Maryland. Okay. I, okay. All right. <laughs> so we know somebody from Maryland asked this question. Could this game have been name-dropped Regional, regional in, games. Yes. <laughs> could this game have been name-dropped in Console Wars? It, yes, it could have. So this game so could have existed... pre-95, probably. Yeah. Probably yeah. NES or 16-bit era. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um... Is this uh, is this a, a game that came out in arcades? Mm. Yes. Okay. So it had an arcade version at some point. Um. I always is is it a multiplayer game? Yes. It's a good question. Uh, was this game? Well, I guess if it's that era, I'll I'll just ask it. Was this game developed in Japan? Yes. Okay. Uh. Did this game um, appear on the NES? Yes. That's five. Paid game that went to the NES. Could be Super Mario Brothers 
or Mario Brothers, I guess that's what it would be called. Or Super. Both those came out in the arcade. Super what, Mario Brothers. What's versus. Super Mario in the arcade? It's I'm thinking of Super the... Mario Brothers versus, and you can play two players. Is it the pipe game though? Right? No, like, it's just well, you're just talking about two different games. Okay. Yeah, Mario Brothers is the, is yeah. an arcade game also. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Do do the characters in the game appear in any games being made today? No, no. Good question. We right. sometimes do that with uh, just were these char- are these characters in Smash Brothers? Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's a better way. Back. No, no, it's not that you have to narrow it to Nintendo. Right. I think we're gonna start using that one. That's a really good one. That's a really good question. So they're multiplayer arcade game. Mm-hmm. Mm, from Ninja Turtles. Okay, the, I mean the thing is the fact that it's on an NES means like it's probably not a fighting game. Do we know it's on the NES? You. You said it yeah. appeared on the NES. Oh, yeah. right, arcade right. game went to NES. So Ninja Turtles arcade game is really good. Whoa. Is this game a licensed game? Good question. No. Ooh. What? I was thinking. Game. I was thinking Ninja Turtles too. Yeah. It's not licensed. Is this a is this a two D brawler like a side scrolling brawler? No. Okay. Um. D- well, I guess I need to know a little bit about the era. D- d- yeah. Did the, you know if this was in arcades? Did this game come out before nineteen eighty three? No. Cool. Okay, so it was kind of a hot game that got ported to NES. And did did it did it release on multiple consoles, or at least in like a popular way? Like, would it have been played on other consoles on the NES? Uh, it was a, it was also released on other consoles besides the NES. Okay, for ten questions already. Ten questions. Uh, uh, I think we got this. Um, really? Yeah. I I mean. The NES is is a limited arcade library, and there was these late game games that came out for it, like uh, Rampart and That's true. Um, I'm 720. So, I'm so tripped up by the characters. Like I thought for sure it'd be a brawler and would be like Double Dragon or something. Like you I mean, know, even Tetris. Yeah, Hogan's Alley was that an arcade? No. Uh, Hogan's Alley. I mean, has a PlayStation 10 version, but uh, I guess that wasn't really on any other. And I don't know if uh, it's the multiplayer thing is really cool for this because it's like. It's not, well, could you play this game at the same time with your French? Yeah, could be one person. Can you can because I want to eliminate the turn right, trade off right. plays and uh, players t- like two players play this game at the same time. Yeah. Yes, okay, that's very limiting because Rampage is a really good one. Right. Rampart's a really good one. Um, Contra, Contra mm. Two. Mm. Why are they not making Contra? Games? Well, actually, all the ones do we? Yeah, I know, I know. That's, uh, sure, yeah. What's the what's the Japanese answer that we got? Yes, it was made in Japan. Okay, so that limit that that gets rid of all the Atari games. So right. it can't be or the Midway games like Ramp, Rampage or Rampart. Any of that? So yep. I think we're looking at Contras or you know, is this a Konami game? Yes. Uh, I think we're looking at Contras or Jackals or Ninja Turtles. It's not licensed. Is it yes. A game? Good call. Or Grady Eye. Is it a game with a famous code that can get you thirty lives? Uh, I don't think this game has that code, no. Didn't every Konami game have that code? Is this game uh, a sequel? No. Oh, interesting. All right. So it sounds like Jackal. I'm thrown off because, like, like Gradius has the Konami code in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't play at the same time. Is it, Good point. Though? Good point. It Good doesn't point. give you Good 30 point. lives, though. It just gives you a bunch of stuff. Yeah. All right. So uh, have we mentioned this game already? No. Oh. That's 15. Oh. <laughs> Devastated. <laughs> All right. That was awesome. 
<laughs> I feel like we're back to drawing. It's a hat. Shit. Five questions to go. No, but we know it's a Konami game from 1983 to, ni- to early nineties. Uh, there's gu- Gunsmoke and Commando. Yeah, all those see, top-down now, games. If it's not, yeah, you're right. It's not licensed. That's Capcom, right? No, I don't see. This is where I'm outside of What's my depth. What's the Konami a bit. crappy top-down Akari Warriors? No, it's not Konami. Yeah, it's not that. Yeah, it is, isn't it? No, no, we we've had that before. Yeah, That's SNK or something it? like that. Yeah, it's in the collection. Um, it's probably something like. Uh, should we just? What are we have? Five yeah. questions. Yeah, five. We're, questions. we're actually doing all right. Getting getting Konami was really good, but I'm see now. I'm at the limits of my ability to like. <laughs> is guess. this a top-down game? No, no, it's not. I don't want to. It is wow. not. Wow. Wow. Okay. Not Gradius. Not Contra. Yeah. There's also Twin B. Yeah, Stinger, it, could, it, it was called. Would see, see, I don't yes. know which of those have uh, simultaneous simultaneous multiplayer. That does. So they, that one does. Yeah. Like Parodius, right. like Just military games or. That's what games? I feel like it's gonna be something like that, like one of those weirder. Did Twin B come out on the NES? Yeah, that's so Capcom. That, that's that Capcom. Konami, but yeah, is there a, uh, a, knock, is, a Konami knockoff? Do, do you pilot a, a a vehicle in this game? It's a good question. No. What? <laughs> Great. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't it would be really weird if we didn't Did get they this. make do they make like some puzzle franchise? Like they don't do uh like you know, they didn't do any of the Tetrises back then. Um and they didn't do they don't they don't they don't do any of them is the answer to that question. Yeah. I'm trying to, I I thinking of the Konami boxes. You know, yeah. Bayou Billy and all the you know, like the silver the silver lining boxes, you know. And what those could be. It might not even be one of those. I wonder if we talked um, about it in this magazine. I mean, there's the there's Castlevanias. <laughs> those kind of came out in arcades. When you tell us the name of it, are we going to go, oh, that was so obvious? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but I, I, I always try to pick games that I think you guys can pick. Yeah. I'm not trying okay. to like pick something so obscure that you would never guess it. So you're like a person or an animal in this. It's, it's, hey, you're not a ship. Wait, and you said it's not top-down? What about Blaster Master? Yeah, that's that's not a Konami game. Yeah, love it though. Um, I mean, and you you eliminated brawlers. We eliminated brawlers, but not like I mean, I know Punch Out's Nintendo, but I don't know if they made any other sort of like fighting What's, anything yeah. like it, fighting or boxing <gasps> sports, track and field. Yeah, that's pretty good. Was that <laughs> <our> <laughs> <game> <laughs> was <laughs> yeah from Konami? Is this, is this space, a sporty space game? At all. Is this a sports game? Yes. Okay. okay. Oh, just, now we have nothing but, left. <laughs> no, just do it. It's fine. Is there? A, there's also California games. Shit. That's not Konami, is it? Is it? I think it's Bandai. I don't think that is Konami. Um, that was a fun game. I didn't remember track and field was Konami either. I yeah. just associate that with just Nintendo. But there's other Konami sports games. Really? But they didn't yeah, do they didn't do like Skate or Die or 720. That's a good call. Are there like martial arts games? But anyway, that's what I was trying to get at before. I think it's probably track and field. Yeah. If that's Konami, I didn't even remember. How do we have an ampersand in it? You can ask that. Would, no, you, you could ask about letters. I you could ask that. if it's played with the power pad. That's not track and field. Track and field is oh. just. Yeah, with the, you were jumping on the mat, right? Yeah, that's world class track meet. I don't need. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Duh, duh. Uh, does this game have a, a, a javelin throw in it? No. Oh! <laughs> This oh, is it. Devastated <laughs> twice in a row in this episode. Well, it's, uh, we know it's a sports game. I don't know which no, which sports Konami. games in that era were made by Konami. So we have... Tubin. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a sports game? I don't know. There's got to be yeah. a volleyball, a soccer, basketball, a, a d- double dribble. It's, it's that's Konami. Did that come? I, that might have been console only. Did that even come to our? That's what's confusing to me. But it must have. I think that's a great really guess. Great. I think that's a great. Is guess. this double Zero dribble? Question. Yes. Oh! <laughs> well done. Yeah. How did double... you? Just, what made you just go for it? I don't know. Well, that was the last, was the last question. question so. Well, I know, I know, but like <laughs> double dribble, or as the game's title screen says, dribble. That was great. Yeah, that was really good. What was the reader's name? Uh, what was his name? Jason Levy. Jason, awesome yeah. job, Jason. That's a really, really good, good pick. Yeah, and you, and it was a silver. Yeah, it was yeah. a silver box. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. like. Yeah, did, I'm glad I, you got there. So you, it came out. I would say the worst Konami game from no. that, from on NES on NES. I don't know. Worse than Bayou Billy? I really I like, love. I like Double Dribble. I, okay, well, I thought those. Yeah, I like Double Dribble. The slam dunk cutscenes looked amazing. <laughs> yeah. back then. That was definitely oh. that era after Tech yeah. Mobile, where it's just like, whoa, you can see a cutscene. And yeah, so that came out in arcades uh, in '86. Yeah, but the NES version is much more popular. I don't can you imagine that what that arcade game is? I just, no. I can't even picture it's a like Konami right on, basketball. You can draw a direct line between that and NBA Jam. Oh yeah, yeah, it's really good. Man. Uh, yeah, that would have been right around the same time that Contra was out in arcades, too. Another basketball game from that time was Arch Rivals that Atari made. Is it really in that, that mid-80s? What was, what was our, what was it? It's from the 80s. Is it it's a basketball. Uh, I think it was, <clears throat> oof, I don't know. I would say three on three. Uh, yeah, I don't think five on five was possible at the time. Right. Yeah. yeah I don't think so. <laughs> it wasn't, how much was NBA Jam? Was that three on three? Two on two, right? But before that, they had the Blazers yeah. version. Maybe it was three on three. Like they had, yeah. the, mm-hmm. they, they had five on five something before. Did EA make Blazers versus Bulls? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that was like the precursor what to if, EA Live. What if we were on Blazers versus Bulls 20 now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some parallel earth <laughs> where it's where it's Berenstein Bears and then it's Blazers versus Bulls instead yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. You guys remember, you remember Jordan versus Bird? Yeah. yeah. One-on-one. Mm-hmm. That was a clever idea. It's a one-on-one basketball game. Uh, double dribble, really nicely done. Uh, I'm sorry for everybody out there who is shouting <laughs> double dribble from question three. I don't think there are that many no. people who remember double dribble. Although it would have been bad if we would have well, failed Jared, after knowing Jared. it's a Konami sports game. If we wouldn't yeah. have got there, that would have been. Could you? Yeah. How are there two Konami sports games? Well, when I think uh, California games might be uh, like an ultra games under oh, yeah, Konami's ultra, ultra label. It was, yeah, it was ultra. So yeah. would that have counted? Well, that would have counted. Game? Yes, I think so. I yeah. Guess, yeah. Weird. Interesting. Blake, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was me super fun. Why don't you give a final plug? To, yeah. the uh, you History of the Future is out now. Yeah, History of the Future is out now. Like Contours, I just feel lucky that I got to tell this awesome story. Um, and uh, check it out and hit me up on Twitter at Blake J. Harris NYC. If you love it, you hate it, you have any questions, I, uh, I consider it an honor to be the custodian of other people's stories. So I'm happy to answer any questions that you guys would have or that you guys would have. Awesome. Also, definitely check out Console War. It's a, an amazing book. Uh, that is all the scoops that we have here this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Blake. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out. <laughs> <laughs>